Crewcast, the official podcast for the Creative Writing Club at the University of Alberta. My name is Jake, who maybe shakes your intrepid host for today. And once again, I am interviewing another author from the Creative Writing Club anthology. Her name is Erica Kohler. She's the one who wrote the poem Childhood Sword, and I had the opportunity to have a conversation with her. Without further ado, here is the uh, conversation. <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh, what what um, about mythology and the classics and stuff that draws you the most? Uh, I think I find everyday life kind of dull, you know? <laughs> so it's nice to slip into just a bit of escapism. And they have all the big themes, you know? Just like death and all of these different gods for different themes and stuff and it just it just works so well for someone who's interested in literature i feel like and creative people and even even you know like the bible and stuff it still has all of these big themes and i think that's the main reason why people keep coming back to these texts because they just really do encompass humanity so even if they are, you know, supernatural in nature. All right, is that where you, like, draw most of your inspiration from? Or is there, like, other stuff? Um, no, not always. There's definitely, um, for the most part, like I said, it tends to be quite personal and, like, based on events in my life. Um, that's usually where I draw the most inspiration from. And then I just kind of heighten it with all the drama I can <laughs> to make it sound like way more interesting <laughs> all right because it feels that way you know even if it wasn't actually that drastic it feels that way in the moment you know like you look back on some of the things you thought were important when you're younger you're like god why did I care so much about this and I think that's kind of a nice part of it where in our own heads it's it can be as cosmic as all these big myths and these heroes and all these figures and tragedies and yeah you know we just make we make our own myths myths in our head and it just that's that's what I always try and tap into so I guess in a way it does come back to mythologizing ourselves mythologizing yourself yeah I mean essentially I was I was a psych uh student and it's interesting learning about memory because we all just essentially are making ourselves up really and making up the world around us. And especially with like optical illusions, when you learn stuff like that, it's like our brain is just trying its best to figure out what's on the page. You know, we don't always see everything. And in the same way, we don't always know for sure everything that's happening, even in our own lives. You know, like uh, there's a lot of things about people who think they remember events really, really strongly in their lives. So, for example, there was this one study after the Challenger exploded. It was, you know, a huge uh, international kind of news story and everything. And uh, they, they asked people a few days after it um, for the study. They asked them, okay, where were you? You know, who were you with? How did you learn the news, etc., etc.? And then they kept asking them. And after a period of time, I don't remember exactly how much time it was, but their responses started to change. But their conviction in what had happened, in their minds anyway, was completely the same. So they're like, no, 100%, I'm convinced this is 
this is the way I found out and stuff. And I think in, uh, it was some crazy number, like 90% of the cases, it was like totally different than what they had first reported. So I always, I always kind of come back to that where I'm just like, we're kind of just making everything up as we go. <laughs> and I feel like that, you know, making your peace with that is also a helpful way to unlock creativity because you can just, you can be like, okay, sure, I'm making this a bit more dramatic than it was, but it was dramatic to me in my mind and it was a big deal for me in that moment. It's kind of both grounding and also transcendental somehow the both both at the same wow. time I, I didn't expect that response <laughs> <laughs> it's I, uh, I don't know I always come back to that study for some reason I think I've told like everyone I know about that study and a lot of people get angry about it <laughs> because they're like no but I actually do remember things and that's the thing the, the conviction with which people describe the event never goes away so it's interesting yeah so basically what you're saying is um the way we construct um, our memories is also the same way we construct our narratives in fiction. Yeah, it's quite similar, in my opinion. We're always telling stories of ourselves, of others, of situations that happened, and they might not be 100% accurate, but that's fine, you know, as long as they, you know, get the main point across, then, then that's, that's your reality now. That's what happened now. That's, huh. You know, that, no, 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 that actually makes sense, because, um, I don't know, have you, do you watch BoJack Horseman? Yes, I've watched all of it. Yeah, okay, so yeah, that, that reminded me of, like, the episode with Princess Carolyn, and, like, the necklace oh, she yes, has. Oh, yes, because it was real for her, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it's, like you said, we live our lives building our own narratives, thinking that it's true, and it, it's just the way it is, mm -hmm. but then it kind of isn't, and that life is basically how you make of it. Yeah. And it's, like, kind of very happy but also very sad in that truth yeah it really just depends on how you look at it there are definitely some times where i'm just like oh god that means i can never trust my memories and i just like <laughs> break down about it but other times where i'm just like eh, whatever i'll mythologize myself then <laughs> all right well if we're going with like mythology terminology mm -hmm. which for me is very limited <laughs> is um when you write your uh, poems and it appears you draw a lot from your uh personal well mm -hmm. is it more of like a, a comedy or a tragedy do you think you know most of the time i feel like this probably ties into the 3 a.m aspect but i tend to go for tragedy <laughs> wow. but this one's a pretty calm one this one's pretty like nostalgic and like this one's a pretty peaceful one i th i'd say it seems that way to me did it come across not quite that way to you i'm not going to answer your question since <laughs> no no it's more like it I want to know what what you think, more importantly, because my point is moot. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you could go for the whole author is dead thing and just dissect it your own way. And I kind of like that, too, that people can get different. I like I do like showing people sometimes my more obscure poems, such as this one, and being like, so what do you think this means? And I, I love the variety of responses. <laughs> it's It's like everyone can get something out of a piece of art even if they don't you know quote unquote get it and I think that's the thing that really pissed me off growing up because I remember high school whenever we'd go over poems we were always kind of taught like this is the meaning of this and like if you didn't pick up on that you know like the, if there's like reading comprehension questions on poetry I would always hate those so much <laughs> and it really put me off of poetry for a while and I just thought this is something that like 
old dead men did and like that's it you know (laughs) so and it's just like a a dead art form that's just like something for teachers to make you scratch your head in class and that's it but then when I started seeing people more my age who started you know making poetry that was really personal once once I saw a lot of people doing that I was like you know what I'm, I'm gonna give that a shot and yeah I fell in love with it you know, I think this poem makes a little more sense, not um not content wise, but it's more function, because the thing about poetry as um as opposed to like short fiction is that um short fiction is long, it's bloated, and there's definitely a way you can read it, but mm-hmm. when it comes to poetry, it's it's limited. You have fewer words. It's like um. You're looking at looking at it all at once and trying to get like one feeling or an idea, and it's like what you talked about earlier. How it's like um, you look at something and you construct it, and it's it's like looking for a kaleidoscope, and it's, and it might be a little different for everyone. And I feel like okay. that's the function of like childhood sore to me. Anyways, you can like tell me wrong, and that'd be great because I kind of want to know. But like, yeah, I think it's very <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I'm well. I'm glad that um, personally, I think this is the best poem I've ever written, and that's why I submitted it. Um, so <laughs> this this is uh, I'm still trying to beat this one, you know. <laughs> so uh, I always keep coming back to it, and it's not super my style. Like I mentioned, I usually tend to catastrophize, like in my writing, and just go for the tragedy and stuff. But this one's like it kind of looks back at the tragedy and it's like, oof, you know, that was a little bit much. I hope we can come back. Because at the end there, when I say uh, peacefully drinking tea and hoping that she'll join me, it's kind of like sitting down with your past self or like the past version that you've made of yourself and like just making peace with it and like just just vibing with your <laughs> with your childhood imaginary friend. <laughs> Oh man, uh, morning bing bong. Sorry. Oh man, you know, like from Inside Out, the kid had like oh, bing bong. I'm sorry, I haven't watched it. Oh, I almost got all of your media references. Ah, <laughs> uh, egg on my face. I will really have to watch it though. It's on my list on uh, Netflix. You know, just as a little tangent, why do you think we like to construct like a uh, happy past whenever we become nostalgic and not be like. Man, I remember when I was a kid, and I couldn't eat whatever I want, or uh, stay up past, like, 12 a.m. What do you think? Yeah, see, in this one, it was it's kind of almost the opposite a little bit, where I'm like, oof, I was going through it. What, what was up with that? And now it's just kind of like, hey, I hope we can calm down and hang out together. But there are also times where I, I definitely look at it the other way, where it's, I think it's just, you know, people inflate the innocence of childhood a bit you know they think ah we were we were so good and pure back then it's like i I don't know i think i was like a little gremlin (laughs) i was like a little devil child (laughs) so sometimes sometimes i am like oof like because you know there's more like adult things quote unquote (laughs) that have happened now in my in my life i was gonna say later years as if i'm old (laughs) but you know there are definitely times where I think, like, Jesus, I just wish I was, I just wish I was, like, five again and didn't know about, like, fucking politics, you know? <laughs> like, just, 
and people didn't look at me funny if I played on the playground because <laughs> I'm a child and that's what I'm meant to do you know just like stuff like that and I think sometimes we do inflate it but other times it, it's you know it's kind of blissful ignorance back then you know I didn't know about global warming <laughs> I don't know. I feel like whenever people get nostalgic and start constructing a reality of, like, their past and whatnot, it's more like, I don't know, I think you usually do that to, like, justify or to, like, to make sense of the present, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, if you, like, now, life isn't going so well, you probably think back when you were, like, as a kid or, like, some kind of, like, hardship you went through or, like, maybe a divorce or, like, that sort of dark period of time and then you're like yeah maybe that's why i'm like this or maybe you live an okay life and it's like Mm -hmm. what got me through this i don't know maybe it's complete opposite where it's like look back on the good because now is bad or like look back on the on the good because oh my god i say the same thing twice like i repeat myself you look back on the good (laughs) because the present is bad or you look back on the bad because the present is good yeah Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I think we do have a tendency to seek out just anything to contradict ourselves almost. (laughs) At least I do that a lot, where it's like, hmm, things are going great. Let's look back on all the times where things are going poorly to remind myself that this can't last or something like that. Or the other way around, if you're um, you're really sad, then that's how you hold on to hope, you know, to look back and... I guess it's kind of regression to the mean. <laughs> if you're t- one of two extremes, there's something, something going on in our brains. They're like, nope, got to go back to, got to go back to the center. I feel like I've always missed the center, though. <laughs> like I'll just go from one to the other. <laughs> Do you think you're gonna write more uh, happyish poems? I hope so. I have, I have written happy ones too. It's not, it's not always doom and gloom, but. And usually it's a start of a relationship where I find that I'm a, I write the most happy poetry because <laughs> it's sort of, you know, honeymoon phase. And that's that's usually like something, you know, very important and very happy that happens where I'll, I'll usually go to the happier stuff. But I feel like this one is a little bit unique because it's not really happy. It's not really sad. It's just kind of like not not quite content. I just, I tend to settle on peaceful when I say it, even though that almost sounds a little too good. It's like peaceful, but slightly to the left. (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense, but. (laughs) I don't know. I I think it makes sense. Well, to me anyways. Yeah. Um, It just, it just is, you know, it wasn't all good, all bad. It just is, you know, it's like you were a good kid who got your mom presents on Mother's Day, Mm -hmm. but you were also the kid who tried to like set off a stink bomb in a bowling, bowling alley. Yeah, exactly. Is this a this yeah. a personal story or? Uh, uh, oh, um, I was a I was a mean kid. I was a terrible kid. I feel like I was a like, double um, child too. Man, like um, during my uh, younger years, my my parents would always work, so I was always set loose. And I mean, I lived in a small town, so I could just go wherever the hell I want. Nice. And um, I don't know. One time, I tried to convince my friend to like set off a stink bomb in a bowling alley. <laughs> And uh, needless to say, he was a coward, and he didn't do it. <laughs> we got caught. Oh, you got caught. So, yeah, Dang. always do it yourself. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of any... Oh, actually, I totally can. I remember one time, just, um, I had a, a, a contraption <laughs> called a crib in my mouth. Have you heard of that? 
What? No. Okay, it's like these three spiky things that they put on your top set of teeth. And it's so that I would stop sucking my thumb. (laughs) So it's these three, like, spikes so that it would hurt whenever I tried to suck my thumb. (laughs) And um, I remember I just weaponized it immediately. I, um, we had a blow-up pool, like a kitty kind of pool, and I just immediately bit it. Like, I think this was the first day we, like, had bought it and used it. I just bit it and ruined the day for no reason. Because <laughs> it ruined my own day, too, right? I didn't get to go swimming. Like, my parents were just like, why? Why? And I was like, just because. <laughs> and, um, I also remember biting my sister a fair amount, so... <laughs> I was- I was waiting for that. Yeah, yeah, she got these, like, three little pinpricks of blood and then goes crying to my parents. <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of backfired a little bit on my on my parents. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Just, just a vampire. Yeah, yeah, very vampiric. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I was a weird kid. <laughs> weird kid. Oh, man. Very weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was funny. No, it's like I I did stuff like that too. Well, I didn't exactly like, bite people. <laughs> I remember one time. I wish I could say I was like uh, five or six, but no, I think I was like uh, maybe nine or ten. And it was mm-hmm. um, I moved to uh, I think New Brunswick, and I got bored and I found some like a group of friends, quote unquote. We didn't meet that often. It was like once or twice. And, like, one time, I was like, hey, we should build a trap. And I was like, oh, okay, what's this trap? So, basically, we got, like, a garden hose, and we tied it around a lawn chair. And we, like, kind of hoisted it up a tree, and we tried to make a tripwire. <laughs> so, whoever, whoever, like, well, tripped it would get, like, Looney Tunes squashed. And, uh, oh, my God. It never worked out, but how cool would it have been <laughs> if it worked? Well, not if they died. It wouldn't be cool. <laughs> well... That's definitely something I would have done when I was younger, though. <laughs> I would have gone away with it. <laughs> yes, probably. I was a devious little child. <laughs> oh, man. My friend at the time when I was younger and her sister and I, we would always... Uh, she w- moved to a like newer kind of area. So there was a lot of construction sites around of like houses and stuff. And we would just break into all of them just straight up. <laughs> like... <laughs> And then I remember it was just, like, such a a big deal because, like, her sister ended up, I think it was her sister, it was her her sister ended up losing her ring and it, like, fell into, like, this, like, I don't really know how to describe it, like, a mud pit, but it was mainly water, so it's, like, you couldn't really, like, it was in, like, a hard-to-reach spot where we couldn't really, like, see anything and couldn't feel it or anything. So, like, she had to go explain to her parents that we, like... (laughs) Like, because I think it was her grandma's ring or something like that. It was, like, <laughs> like low-key kind of important. And then we had to go explain to her parents that we <laughs> broke into this half-constructed house and lo- lost the ring in, like, a mud pile <laughs> when we were, like, climbing up this, like, teetery ladder that we were absolutely not supposed to be on. <laughs> so that was fun. Oh, um. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just our childhood, but, like, do you think that, like, wildness and that crazy kid energy kind of, like, got lost along the way? Or did it, like, you know, kind of got reshaped and channeled or, or whatnot? I think it did a bit. Uh, in in some ways, it, it did kind of 
go away. I think like the more so like innocent aspect of it went away, you know, because we didn't really understand what we were doing was like potentially like quite dangerous, you know, because we were, I don't know how old we were, but I don't think we were taking any precautions when we were like, you know, jumping around in these like places with like a bunch of like sharp objects around and stuff. But at the same time, you know, like not too recently, I also (laughs) went into an abandoned place that I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to. So I don't think much has changed. (laughs) I think I'm still just a little, little bit of a devil child at heart. So and I don't think alcohol helps us at all. When you, drunk. <laughs> you know, no, not this time. Uh, but like, <laughs> I just mean like um, in general. When you're just talking about like, oh, like, did we lose our childhood wildness? I feel like the moment people get drunk, it's just they're right back there. <laughs> just like, I don't know. I just remember being on like, on a roof one time, and I was drunk. Like, that's not a good idea, you know. Like. <laughs> So I've actually done that more than once too. So like, it just kind of, just kind of takes you back. I and guess. I don't know what you're talking about. Glory is forever, man. Let's go. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I just, it's still fun to be a little bit of a delinquent, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, I I think we should be like, regardless if you're a kid, adult, or elderly, you should be able to go wild every once in a while. Just a little berserk. Like, not like uh-huh. uh, start a riot or anything, but just like start a little mayhem. Oh, I think we should start riots. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm calling the cops on you. Joking, joking. It's not a joke. Everything's <laughs> serious. You know what? Well, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's fun to go feral sometimes, you know? Just run around, do things you're not really supposed to, but nothing too bad. <laughs> like, don't don't, you know. Don't have a trip wire and uh, crush someone with a chair to death. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe I just uh, got born in the wrong era. I don't know about that. I'm no. pretty happy with Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with Wi-Fi too. <laughs> like what? Just like have rocks and stakes for company? It's like, nah, screw that. I want yeah. Wi-Fi and pizza. I know. Sometimes like I'm just feeling really lazy and I just laze around in bed all day and I was like, man, I would have like sucked at a, as like a peasant girl <laughs> like like a, on a farm or something where you have to get up at like five o'clock every day like i would have sucked at that <laughs> i don't know there's still like that historical context you're gonna grow up differently as like a peasant girl you, you don't know yes very true very true i don't know it just sounds sounds a lot rougher back then i'm pretty good with with my wi-fi <laughs> yeah but like rougher but everyone's like i think was a little more tougher yes you know? yeah had to be yeah, you know, to like the frontier people who's like, ah, I don't like my neighbor Joe. I'm gonna build my house ten miles down away from him, and he just did it. It was like, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> it's like you you meet you didn't call anyone to do that for you. You just okay, no worries. Yeah, so uh, you weren't like swindled by your mechanic because you didn't know your engine. Like, I don't know my engine. I was probably I'm probably gonna get swindled one day. Oh yeah, yeah, I certainly will too. I I don't know how the heck those those things work <laughs> i don't know about cars <laughs> oh yeah do you think childhood's like supposed to be pretty rough in like certain ways hmm. i don't think so no i think it's supposed to just be a very steep learning curve <laughs> it's just you know you just gotta figure it out real fast <laughs> that's about it i don't know I, I don't think it should be tough that's... you know i think i think it should be 
challenging at times, sure. That's there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't know. Something about tough doesn't sit right with me. Probably just because I've heard, you know, just stories being in being in psych, you just <laughs> learn that like certain childhood events can just really, really impact you for the rest of your life. So uh, I just I struggle thinking of kids like really going through it because they don't they don't know anything, you know, they're so tiny and dependent on others and I don't know, stresses me out to think too much about that. <laughs> Is that how like the know. narrative gets built? Uh, like how people create their own? No, I, like, you know, it's like, um, I don't know, your parents shout at you for, you know, hey, you shouldn't run around or, or uh, stop drawing that. It's butt ugly. And then you, you stop because you get in your head like, oh, it's never that good of an artist anyway. Oh, did your parents ever oh, say that? Oh, no. Well, they only say that later <laughs> oh, in life. Oh, okay. I thought you... <laughs> I guess it's fair game yeah. then, hey? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just a lot more impactful when you're younger because you don't have the maturity to be able to deal with harder things like that. So there are certain, you know, I, I, I do think sometimes people overemphasize the innocence of childhood, but at the same time, you do, you know, they're kids, they don't know much. <laughs> and I know when I think back to me as a child, I was not very smart. So <laughs> it's, and you know, if I had a hard childhood, which I did not, it was, it was not a hard childhood. I, had a very nice family and nice upper middle class, you know, like I, I did not have a rough life, but I still struggled with certain things, which is just, it's interesting because I was like, man, if this was any harder for me, <laughs> that would have been the worst because I already had <laughs> my own issues, just being hard on myself, you know? Hmm. So yeah, I certainly hope that childhood is kind to most people, but I don't know if it is to lots, lots of people out there. So, yeah, I'm just very grateful for mine for, for the most All part, right. you know. Yeah. Not even 3 a.m. It's 10 p.m. though. Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. We're starting to get into emo hours. <laughs> That's what I always call it when people are like, hey, Erica, you like texted me last night at like 3 a.m. You okay? And I'm like, ah, yeah, you know, emo hours. And they're like, ah, okay, you're good now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, speaking of classics, have you read The Song of Achilles? You know what? I haven't, but I have heard of it. Okay, wait. I'm going to look up the plot right now. <laughs> Song of Achilles. Oh, a new take on the Iliad, written by a high school classics teacher. Oh. Interesting. That sounds like something I would really like. I've heard Circe by her is also really good. Yeah. Okay. It's it's on the list. I've have read A Secret History. Have you? Oh, what's that? Um, it's a book by Donna Tart. It's about <laughs> these um this group, this pretty like I don't remember what the descriptions were in the novel anymore of what what they looked mm-hmm. like. But it's this group of kinda I wanna say classist almost. <laughs> um like, they're kind of snooty, I guess, and, like, self-important. Bougie? A little bit. Yeah, we could go with bougie. <laughs> um, although the main character actually isn't, but he, like, just kind of pretends to be to fit in. But anyway. And I actually thought I was going to like the novel more than I did, which is a little interesting, but I still really liked it. But it's just about this group of classics students and they decide that they want to have a bacchanal, or I think that's what it's called. Yeah, a bacchanal, um, which is basically, uh, do you know Dionysus, the god Dionysus? Yeah. 
Yeah, so he's like the god of like wine and like some other shit. I, don't know, I forget, <laughs> but <laughs> but like also of like essentially like partying, but like also just religious like ecstasy. So basically, what a bacchanal is is just like people going crazy essentially, <laughs> and like if you would ever like do something that Dionysus didn't like in Greek mythology. Um, chances are he would just make a bunch of people kind of go nuts, like have a back and all and tear your head off. So you probably don't want to piss the dude off. <laughs> and they decide that they want to try and have a bacchanal. And of course they end up murdering someone <laughs> once they do. And then the whole thing is them like trying to cover this murder up and make sure that nobody finds out. And then sometimes one of the, one of, like one of their own is like, no, 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 I think we got to just go to the police about it. And then I think they kill him. And then like, now they have two people that they need to pretend that they haven't killed. And it's just... It's a shit show, but it's a fun shit show. <laughs> it just sounds like a like a, a frat initiation gone wrong. That's like if it was like a very like pompous frat, <laughs> then yes, I would agree. That's essentially what it was. <laughs> and it's interesting, but I, I did think I was gonna like it a little bit better than I did because I just didn't really like any of the characters because they're all kind of like self-important and like I don't know and for me the main thing about novels like I'm not in the I'm not in it for the plot <laughs> for the most part no? I'm in it for the characters oh, okay yeah I'm more of a I'm more of a character person if I can't if I can't like your characters or at least like one of them you know then I'm even if the plot is super super good then chances are I'm not gonna love it like I'll still like it like this one I, I still enjoyed but I just did not find any of the characters very sympathetic. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. But it was quite interesting. <laughs> All right. I've, I've learned something yeah. new. And now I know what the hell a Bacchanal yeah, is. Just going buck wild for Dionysus, essentially. That's just getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of drinking in this book. <laughs> oh, man. And one of them, one of them just straight up turns into an alcoholic. So. <laughs> and just to clarify the. A Secret History is, I think it's like relatively modern day. Maybe it's like 90s or something, but it is relatively modern day. So it's not quite historical, I don't think. Unless we're calling the 90s historical fiction now. <laughs> Which, yikes, makes me feel old. <laughs> okay, why is it a secret history? Like, it's not a secret anymore. I goddamn know it. You're written about it in a book. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was just because the history of the Bacchanal and stuff and like, people don't have them anymore or something. I don't actually know why she went with that title, but I don't know. <laughs> that is the title. <laughs> okay. This interview, it, it got off. It went on in a lot of ways, a lot of tangents. Yes, apologies. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. It's, I don't know. It's like, you can only ask the same questions over and over again. And I don't know. I, I think this is a little more interesting. Thing. Yeah. Podcasts usually go all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, I, I never told you this was a podcast. How did I know? Yeah, you, you've been fooled. Well, um, yeah, well, <laughs> Erica, thanks for coming to this interview. <laughs> okay, man. See ya. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Erica Kohler. And if you're interested in reading her poem, Childhood Sword, you can find the poem in our debut anthology, Liminal Space. You can find it on the club's website, thecrew.club. Adios.